Hi everyone, I'm Jace. And I'm Yiling. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Freelance Creative Exchange where we actually invite our freelancers to talk to us about their trade as well as their as the um, gig economy. So today again, we are at Marks, a co-working space and a community for creatives to gather, collaborate, share and even create together. This is uh, their flagship uh, space at Cotton Point is located in the central quaint little neighborhood of Ju Chiet. So if you guys are around here, do drop by. Okay, so if you are a creativepreneur and you have an established brand or uh, you are hobbies looking for a place to create your work, come out and check out Mocks. We are at 451 Ju Chiet Road. And today we are very honored to actually have you know the two guests with us who actually work out at Mox as well. So if you are here, you can check out their store as well. So I have John sitting next here to me, and I have Ray Sien here with me as well. So maybe let us um, let them introduce themselves very quickly. John, maybe you go first. Okay, what I do here at Mox, I have so I have my printmaking studio here, and what I do is I make lino cut prints based off of stories that my daughter tells me. Oh. So it's something we do together. And uh, so uh, I'm a single dad, widowed, I have a young daughter, so she loves telling me stories. And it's really a lot of how she communicates with me, what she's thinking and such. So she tells me great stories and then I interpret those into images and do the printing here. Right, great. Later we'll show you more about what John is referring to, but maybe let uh, Ray Sien introduce a bit about yourself as well. Okay, hello, my name is Ray Sien. Uh, I'm 25 this year and I'm a dressmaker. So I have my studio here and it's a bit oriental style. So I specialize in Cheongsam, but I also do wedding and evening gowns. Wow. Yeah. So I understand Ray Sien, you used to be also be in the fashion industry, but you came yeah. from a brighter studio? Uh, several. So after I got my diploma in fashion design, mm-hmm. then I uh, started working at a few companies la, here and there doing evening gowns, shongsang, and then eventually I decided to start on my own. So what was that? What was that starting point? And this question goes to both of you. What was that trigger that uh, made you think like, okay, maybe there's something here that I can step out on my own and explore starting up my own business? For me, uh well, it kind of started a little bit backwards. So the, the relief printing was just something that came out of what my daughter and I were doing. And I was just doing it at home, uh, making prints there. I'd go through an entire process, make three or four, and then be done and move on to the next. And so it was when I was getting some good feedback. that I was like, well, let me see if I can actually sell some of these. And if I need to if I do that, then I need space and I need a press and I need and I need and I need <laughs> and so then it really became okay if you're going to do it then make some plans and figure it out and so get maybe, started. Maybe let us share with our audience what does relief printing means right? It's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So John would you like to take okay. us through the image that you I should have. probably take it out of here of because it's right. a little shiny. Yeah. So I brought a few of the small prints that I've made. Um, so relief printing is just uh, you're taking a, a surface that has a, I guess, a relief. Mm. It, it's it's a, got a, a design carved into it or whatnot, rolling ink on it and then mm. transferring that ink to paper. Mm. And uh, so usually it's one color. If you think of like uh, Japanese woodblock printing, mm, maybe yes. more colors and such. Right. And uh, so what I've done, what what I do is like I said, it's my daughter's stories, and so to try and capture these. And she's seven, 
she was four when we started doing this. And so this is a, an example of one. One was uh, she had a big My Little Pony thing going at the time. Uh. <laughs> and uh, Equestria Girls, where all the ponies are girls and all that. And I don't know why, but my daughter Isabel, she decided she wanted to fight Twilight Sparkle. <laughs> and so she's in a battle uh, with Twilight Sparkle and has cut her arm off with the Sword of Justice. And it's got this kind of, I, I brought in this samurai movie poster kind of thing. And alongside our dog Tatsu down here. So it's, uh, I don't know why that was, but. Um, and is this both of you? This is, well, it is, it's, I mean, her story is this is, well, she let me do that first one so long as I did this one. Uh, oh. Where uh, she teamed up with Twilight Sparkle after giving her back her bionic arm <laughs> to defeat Sunset Shimmer and our army of zombies to free our dog Tatsu from the bubble of doom. Oh my goodness. So this is the, it, redemption tends to be a theme of hers and uh, she had just come back from uh, exhibit at the Art Science Museum on robotics oh, and, wow. and so that's why the bionic arm came into play and all that. Ah. So, um, so it's just kind of her, who am I to judge? These are her stories. <laughs> I just try and interpret them. And so how do you do it together with her? So she like your your partner. She's, yeah. she's, uh, so she comes up with the stories. So it could be a story, it could be an idea, it could be a phrase. I don't know where it's coming from. And uh, it's a lot of, she's just, she's constantly got something. So I'm writing them all down all the time and I never know where any of them are going to go. So I need to copy, I need to write them down. And then I'll start asking questions. Why this? Why that? Where is this happening? And how's the design of this and such? So I get some, I started asking some questions. So, okay, I get some ideas. And then I'll sketch out a concept, share it to her. What do you think? Okay, well I think, oh, okay, that's right, okay. And then I go back and develop out some more details and some layouts and she'll come back and say, oh, I don't know about this colors, maybe this color palette, <laughs> maybe this is what's happening and all that. Great, okay, get her sign off. And then, then I get to then I get to work. So this is actually very interesting. So at what point in time do you decided to convert this from a hobby to a business? Um, I was enjoying doing it, and we were both enjoying doing it. Uh, my daughter loves to see then you know the story she told me, and all the questions along the way, and then to see it come out. And your daughter is your boss, basically. Well, I think that's probably true in any any family. Uh, she's she's very much my art director. I run things past her because it's uh, the point is that it's an interpretation of her story. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I'm I'm that when she looks at it, she goes, "Yes, that's that's what I was thinking. That's what I was talking about." Uh, instead of going running off on my own direction. How, so just how yeah. accurate are you with your first drafts? Yeah. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, no, so it's, I mean, my, uh, it'll be a rough sketch for a concept uh, that I can do in a minute or something like that. At least is this the direction to go. And then once I start getting in layouts and then it's, I, I can't draw. So it's a lot of tracing and I'm taking reference images and I'm building up and building up layouts. And so then by the time I get to a final design, it's like, what do you think? Hopefully she's not going to want to change it too much, but... <laughs> Uh, so then, yeah, then she gets, says, okay, go ahead, go, no, it's all right. So, uh, but she loves it. And so very happy with that. Right. So at what point in time do you, have you decided that, okay, this can turn from a hobby to a business? Okay. Well, I was, I was taking time off from work. Uh, this was a, it was an opportunity to spend more time with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so took time off and doing this at home. And then we just kind of got into doing this. And 
then after doing several and I was, wait a minute, I kind of, I like doing this and then sharing them and around and getting some good feedback. And I was like, well, let me see if I can actually sell something, something I can make something because I didn't see really anything going on. It's, it's, uh, it's one thing about Singapore. There's not a huge art market or a huge yeah, culture scene. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, well, let me see if I can do something. Why not? There's yeah. got to be a chance to do something. So that's that's really kind of why not. Right, right. That's a nice story. How about you, uh, Rizian? What's your story? How do you start to have this idea of uh, making chongsam, you know, and, and getting a shop to oh, get it running? Yes, yeah, starting out on your own. Um, so from the very beginning, like, when I joined a fashion course, I already told myself like I wanted to start up a brand, but I didn't really have an idea what I wanted to do. Like. So when I when I first joined the fashion course, I already knew I wanted to start up a shop and like set up my own brand, but I'm not I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do then. So I, I thought to myself, okay, I'll just work and get some experience. So after working for a while then uh, I got the hang of making gowns and like chong sums. So then uh, I will say, okay, um, I'll wait for me, uh, my, myself to get ready, to get more experience. But then, uh, it was still a point where I just stopped in and asked myself, like, when will I ever be ready, actually? So, then I said, okay, like, it's now or never. Then I just quit my job and started this song. <laughs> so, is your parents uh, horrified when they hear that you're quitting your job to actually do this? Or they are, mm. what's their reaction? They are very traditional parents lah, so they don't really express much of their emotions, just okay lah, do what you want to do lah. And they were very supportive, so I actually named my brand after them, uh, after my parents. Uh, Hui Huang means actually uh, mighty, and Fang Zhen is fabric and needle, but mm. Huang is my dad's name, and Fang is my mom's name. Oh. Yeah, so like, I put them together. Oh, they are very powerful. Yeah, but <laughs> when I show them, like, oh, you know, they will check out my logo, this is my, the name of my company. They took quite some time to register la. They didn't even realise that it was their name until I told them, actually, you know, it's your name. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's inside, it. Yeah, inside la, yeah, just don't say ah. In, in their heart, they were like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but just out, um, on the surface. Yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> But um, so so how has the journey um be going for for you? For example, maybe John, you know, um, how do you get your first clients, the first person who pay you for what you like? That's going to be a really good question. <laughs> um, since April has been a just really getting everything ready. Mm. Uh, so it's been getting in equipment, getting in a press. Maybe, um, would you like to share with us, right? Um, you know, since you started doing this, um, how do you actually go and get your first paying client for your hobby? Okay, it's really gonna be, it's, I'll, I can let you know when I find out. Uh, so since I started here in April, uh, it's been just a ramping up from the start. So it took me a couple of months to get my press in from Australia and start getting all the other equipment in. And so, by the time I think it was about July, I could start actually printing and going back and printing up uh, a basic inventory mm -hmm. of all of the prints I had done before, which is about 12 or 14 different prints. And I think I just to at least get a basic inventory, and it's going to be very calm, and I don't know what to do after that. <laughs> oh, yeah, since the work is done, yeah. right, basically. <laughs> no, other than even more, right? You yes. need to go well, out no, and tell to... people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be the disrespect. That's the real hard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself, Racine? Yeah, so for you, right, um, 
in order to get a shop, I, I think previously you might have been doing it uh, in your own, in yeah, the company, right? At home. Oh, I, oh yeah, at home. So, so after I quit and I uh, started at home for about two months. Well, so then, I got this space in September. So when did you, uh, or how did you decide, or was it your parents who decided that you had to get a separate space for you to start making your dresses and your, your clothes? Uh, it was a kind of an opportunity kind of thing because I have my best friends working here. So she was telling me that, oh, this space is opening up and like I was keen to take up the space. And I thought, because previously I, I've been here and I saw that, you know, it's quite a cool community. So then I, I came out to take a look, but now I have to factor in the rental into my like costing and all, right? So I just took a leap of faith. Like, I just say, okay, do it. So... And, yeah. And no turning back since then. Yeah, no. <laughs> I was happy that I, I did it and my friends were very supportive. They were like, okay, no, you should go for it, you should go for it. You shouldn't be scared, just do it. So yeah. have you have, have both of you found a difference in having your own space and actually, you know, coming to work every day instead of just, okay, wake up at home and then let's start doing something. Is there a real difference from, from those two locations? You know, it's a location thing. Yeah. It, it's a very big difference actually because when you wake up you just do work in your pajamas and then like there is no start and stop like okay I'm gonna start now and then after that like tea break so it's a bit like mixed up like, the timing yeah. yeah but when I have my own space I work here and I don't work at home so there's a so there's a space yeah. differentiation right yeah. yeah how about for yourself John? Uh, well, my day is going to start at 7 o'clock or earlier, no matter what. I still have to get my daughter up and get her ready for school. Yeah. And if my dog's going to get me up when the sun comes up, so I have no choice. There's no sleeping late. So if get up, get everybody ready, get her ready, get her off to school. Uh, and I, I mean, I like having a place to go to that that's where the work is done. Because it's, it's one, it gives you some meaning and purpose to get up and go somewhere yeah. and right. it's also an example for my daughter that it's this is what you do you you yeah. go somewhere and you do something and that is the place you go to so so that she sees that that's that is the right thing to do so it it, it serves a few purposes and keeps me out of the house so uh recently there are so many um fashion stores around, mm. you know, you walk into a mall, there are dozens of different shops selling clothes. So how do you cover a niche for yourself in such a saturated market? Actually, from the start, um, I always like the process of um, the ideation to the actual um, garment. So from, for me here, I do everything from scratch for myself, like from the designing to the drafting, cutting and sewing, even the finishing touches like the hand sewing the buttons and all. So I always like that process. So I think that's what set myself apart from other people. Hmm. Yeah. So does it, um, I, I guess that's the thing that um, we have to ask, right? Is because especially for handicraft items, there's always, most of the time, there's a slightly higher price tag to Correct. a lot of the things, uh, the end products, you know, yeah. a lot of people, especially with this consumerism that's going on nowadays across the mm -hmm. world, say, oh, you can buy it online, so much cheaper. So how do you educate your clients or your buyers to know that, hey, you know, this is handmade? This is this has my blood and sweat and tears inside here. This is how much value 
you, um, is in this particular product. Is there a certain way you guys Actually, go about it? Uh, for dressmaking especially, it's quite... Uh, as in, when you hear people talk about it, you already know that it's quite a lot of work. So I don't really have to educate and explain to you, oh, actually, it's a very hard work, and so on. So, and I always also tell them, like, you cannot compare something that is made to measure to something that is mass-produced. The pricing is, of course, it will be different. Yeah, so uh, thankfully, the clients that I have, they all understand this painstaking process. La. Yeah. So who is your, I'm just curious, who is your uh, first paying client, for example? Oh, my first playing client. Uh, she, she, she made a very big impact on me because she was the one who told me that she was the first to appreciate my craft and tell me to uh, go ahead and do what I like to do. So she's, uh, I did her wedding gown and evening gown. It's like a whole package, like, wedding gown, evening gown and also her chongsam. Yeah, so... So that was a she, huge boost in your confidence. Is, and she recommended me to a lot of her friends, so I'm very thankful for that. So how does she yeah. come by? Is she someone that you have to spend many months to cultivate her, to take out the package from you, or she is a friend that you already know? She, you know how do you she was a friend's sister, so she just came in and said, okay, I'm going to do a gown with you, two gowns actually. I'm like, oh, okay, actually I was there. The time I was quite scared because like, I don't have much experience while I'm doing everything myself. Then I said, are you sure or not? I'm, I'm still not very good yet. And she said, no, just do it, just do it. I oh. trust you. Oh. Yeah. So we need more of these people. How <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about a job for yourself? Because I think the craft that you're doing is something that is actually um, quite special in that sense, right? So do you see who are your potential competitors in that sense? I don't think competitors. Uh, it's not like there's a... I mean, I'm not selling shampoo in the marketplace. <laughs> so it's not... I'm going up against somebody or whatnot. It's more entering into a marketplace of ideas, and uh, you know. So I think the biggest thing is is being able to tell the story. Because I think when you're, if you're looking at art in the art market, it is a lot of what's the story behind it, what's the context. So if you just see it, you go, eh. So okay, it's nice, but uh, it's a combination of what goes into making it, what's the process that going into it, how many hours are going into it. But what's the story about why? And so I think that's what you're buying is, is, is the story and the context. And that this is something between a, a daughter and a father as a way to communicate with one another and, and through uh, tragedy and rebirth. And, and, and it's all of that story is what you're getting out of it. And so it's my job to help communicate that. I don't think there's you can't oversaturate the market with great stories. Yeah, that's true. So uh, I, I think it's just up to me then to, to be able to get, tell the story right and get the story out there. So from the storytelling, mm -hmm. so, um, you understand that, John, that you used to be in the advertising right. business. Right, right. Has that helped a lot in your business? I know it's still rather new. Maybe yeah. you haven't started it. Yet. It has. I was, uh, was in account services. And so I was, I worked with clients at all levels. I'm doing project management. I'm leading, doing ideation. I'm working with the creative department. I'm writing creative briefs and such. So it's my, my work had me kind of, it was, it was very holistic in how you, you uh, approach your project and think about how, you know, where's my design idea coming from? What am I trying to communicate? How, how am I going to be, carrying this through and executing it the way I want to go with it. So it, it's helped me a lot in planning all of that out, understanding 
creative concepting and layout and execution. And it's kind of my opportunity to, I wasn't a creative. Mm -hmm. Now I might be the one who was writing the creative brief and saying, here's the objective, here's the proposition, here's the direction I want, here's your insights. And so now it's my opportunity to say, here's the concept, here's the execution, here's how it should be. Yeah, it's your turn to actually get hands dirty and start doing it yourself. So I'm just wondering, right, as a um, small business owner like, like us here, right, um, so, you know, so the easiest, probably one of the easiest marketing platform to consider probably is social media. Mm-hmm. So do you all use social media in promoting your work? So uh, I launched an Instagram page, which for me, I think made sense, the most sense for, as, a, for as, a, as a platform. It's a very, because I have a very visual based offering, yes. Instagram is going to be the best uh, platform for it. Not not Facebook. It's just yeah. not, you know, you got to match the platform for what you're trying to do and what yeah. you have. So I've had my Instagram page for several months now. So as I get new pieces that have been printed up or things about the studios and all that, then I can at least get those up there and start getting the word around. What were some of the financial or other practical considerations that you guys had when uh, you guys decided to come out to own your own space or own your own business? Um, like, because like for you, John, right, you've had the space, but you have been, the past year has yeah. just been production yeah. and not actually actively selling anything, right. you know. Uh, for Reese and for you, it's it's a lot of, it's a, your production cost has suddenly gone up. And so do you have a six-month plan, one-month plan? It's, this is for the people who are thinking, you know, I can do a hobby, I can do a craft. Is it time for me to step out? Should I be thinking of stepping out? What do, what do you have to think about? So before I started, before I made the change from it's a hobby I do at home yeah. to let me see if I can make a business out of it. So before, before sourcing an etching press and getting it shipped in and those sorts of things, I yeah. sat down and said, okay, what are my capital investment costs going to be? What are... Uh, and the bills have to get paid eventually. So, uh, and you see, just look at the basic economics. What could I actually produce? And you know, what's my capacity for production? What can I be looking at at a you know at a maximum, best case scenario? How much am I going to be bringing in? And does that does that make my nut? And so, you know, that's really just kind of very black and white at that point. It's it's if it's at its best, it's going to pay a third of your bills. You go well. Let's keep this in hobby land. Mm. So, uh, but taking a look at it and saying, hmm, okay, if things go right, if things grow, if it's, you know, if I can take a year and say, okay, in a year, I'm going to get an idea whether this may work and it's something that I can continue doing and continue growing, or it's like, this just isn't going to happen. Then I can say, well, you know what? I had a couple of years I was able to pursue uh, starting a business, creating my own thing making something happen. If it didn't work, well, it's, it's, at least I tried. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's this, you gotta take a look at a lot of numbers and say what, what can actually be done. Same for me. I sort of, uh, gave myself uh, a timeline saying that, oh, I have to by one year, uh, what I have achieved. And if, if this can carry on for like the rest of my life, that kind. 
Yeah. So you guys so, did have a timeline or deadline in that yeah, sense? Yeah, right? I, I did. So yeah. mine was a one-year cut-off point. Okay, okay. Mm. So do you think that your past working experience um, actually helped you in shaping your company direction right now at this moment in time? Um, your experiences and your connection from the past, does it actually help you in terms of starting out your business? It helps me understand business and what you need to do. It's you need to make something at a reasonable cost. At a desired level of quality, you need to sell it, you need to market it, you need to deliver it. So um, yeah, I worked in advertising, which was very process-driven product development and production inside in-house and working with clients and, and such. Before that, I had a very operational type job working in uh, packaging and food industry. And so uh, a lot of broad experience across different industries and understanding what needs to be done. And then, so this is an opportunity to kind of break that down and say, okay, what do I need to do? What do I, and what can I not do? Mm. And to, to make the best out of it. Recent yeah. uh, For me, because I worked for like, uh, three three bosses so i sort of like um learned from their experience also like what is good for business and what is not and also balancing out with the the creative aspect or like what people can accept and what people don't like yeah so given a choice right this is the question for uh the freelancers or the, the very young ones who maybe have just graduated and are thinking of stepping out straight away into freelancing or the gig economy um, would you at that point of time uh, if you had a choice come out directly into starting your own business no I yeah. no there was a direct like no <laughs> no considerations at all so it's still important to acquire the working experience first before you to pursue your dreams in this I, I think so. It's I mean, working experience yeah. is more than just I've done my time and I, I, I work for a corporation and now I'm, I've been there long enough to be sick of it and now I want to do my own thing. It's working for a company is a great opportunity to learn how business should be done, how business should not be done. Yeah. So John, just want to understand from you a bit as well, mm -hmm. because since um, you know you were in China for a while, before yeah. you moved to Singapore, you know, with your experience as exposure to the, I would say, marketplace in the different countries. So do you think um, Singapore is a good place to start your business? It's a fantastic place. It's Singapore's, from a business point of view, I think Singapore is very open to starting a new business. It's very easy, it's very inexpensive. Uh, you want a business? Sure, in a day you've got a business. Yeah. And there's very little interference, mm -hmm. and you just need to do what you need to do and off with you, so that's not a problem. Uh, I think you know some of the challenges are because it's so built up and there, isn't, there aren't the, uh, say, cheap industrial areas to go to. You know, mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I got some loft on the edge of the city that's yeah. decrepit, and, but that's fine, that's all I need. Singapore doesn't have that so uh, but that's one great thing about mocks in relatively so mm -hmm. is versus getting someplace in the city or closer to the city yeah. it's it's gonna cost the bomb but I think Singapore uh, because it's such a regional hub and becoming very much a global hub you get 
you get a, a wide variety of people coming through from all over. And so it's not just influences that come through. It's, it's, a, it's a marketplace that's coming to you. So I think Singapore is a fantastic place to be able to start a business. How about in terms from a craft industry perspective, right? Because I think um, for Singapore, we are relatively still very much, uh, or people see us as a business hub, mm-hmm. right? But when it comes to creativity, when it comes to craft, arts, I think that is something that you see, but there's an associate, yeah, there's right. associate Singapore too, right? Yeah. But you are starting a craft-based business yeah. here. Yeah. So what do you, do you think the market itself has actually kind of restricted you in, in any way or actually you are looking forward to actually help Singapore to actually grow the, grow I, the industry? I, I think more the latter. Um, you could say, you know, if you look to say a Miami or a Los Angeles and you say, oh, these are, these are big creative hubs and there's so much going on, but it's also incredibly saturated. So how do you break mm-hmm. through? So, whereas Singapore, it's almost virgin territory in that way. So it's an opportunity to, you know, I, I don't see a lot of relief printing going on within what's going on. There's people who paint, there's people who do whatever. Uh, so it's an opportunity to come out and say, take a look, here's what I've got, and it's different. And so I think it may be actually giving me an opportunity because there isn't, a mu- there isn't much going on out there. Uh, Singapore's not big. It's manageable. It's it's yeah. it's, it's very reasonable. So and um, so I think it's actually it's a it's a great place here to to, to start from. I think for you as a reason, right? Um, I don't know whether it's the reason that you chose uh, to make Tea Pao, mm. uh, but it is. I think it's um, Singapore is a place where there's that very nice mix. At least to me, because I grew up here, I guess there's this nice. Um, balance between the east and the west and having that space to uh, uh, insert inject your own culture into whatever you do but yeah. bring it onto a global scale do you find that working for you a lot in, in what you do? Yeah actually I used to think that um, Singaporeans are not very receptive of like uh, artistic and very like fashionable stuff but actually uh, they are increasing a lot of Increasingly, a lot of people who appreciate art and appreciate craft and they are willing to uh, pay. Mm. So, for me, also because of my personal style, I like to, I like to mix the uh, cultural, like a traditional piece into something more modern so that people can wear it every day. So actually, you don't actually pay the price for just uh, something one-off that you just wear for a formal occasion, but also it can last you for quite a number of years and also you can wear it more often, more versatile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> personal choice. Uh, but uh, speaking about all these challenges, you know what? Are the, what do you think is the largest challenge for yourself, and what do you see for the industry? What's the largest challenge that you have into your maker space or your creator space that you guys? Have? For me, I think my greatest challenge is uh, time management. Because I do everything by myself, right? It's a one-man show. So, like, from a social media and then, like, from getting clients in, everything is a lot of time. So, it's like, I mean, if you want to step into this uh, craft scene or you want to be your own boss, I think you have to be prepared to to give up a lot of your time to it, lah. Yeah. True, true, true. And also, give up sleep sometimes. <laughs> yeah. How about you, John? That's um, the greatest challenge. I think for me, it's finding the market. Mm. And um, it's, it's making art very different from marketing art, the business of it. So it's going to be finding that market, whether it's, 
here in Singapore or in the region, uh, which again is another great thing. Singapore is very well located. So, but to be able to reach out into the region. So I think it's the, the business side. Um, I'm fortunate, my daughter, I've got about 50 or 60 stories. It's it written down to go so far. Means. So I'm not gonna run out anytime yeah, soon of material. Right. So how do you see yourself um, in the five years time, right? Um, you know, do you, do, you, do you foresee that you'll be continuing as a solo premier for, for the next five years to come? Or do you actually think that, you know, at some point in time, you know, you were growing the business, you were hiring, you know, more people yeah. to help you out? <laughs> John, do you, have you thought about this? Yeah, well, you well if I make it to one year and right. say yes, yes. to keep going, okay, then, then that, that's always a great start. How would I define success? That mm -hmm. would mean then you go to year two and three and five. Um, I want to be able to keep telling my daughter's stories. That's kind of the whole purpose behind it. So uh, I don't see, well, I'm giving that up so I can go do something else within the whole piece. That still needs to be the the main thrust uh i would like to be able to do i mean you call merchandising mm -hmm. stuff uh i mean my daughter's stories are very character driven she's absolutely adorable herself you can see mm -hmm. yeah. so <laughs> perfect so uh, i mean i'm looking at you know if it's very good quality uh it may not cheap plastic uh, you know, turned out in a factory kind of thing. But if it's, you know, if there's handmade stuffed animals or something that's got a, a something that's got some quality behind how it's manufactured. Yeah. So that's what I'd like to be able to do. Uh, if it gives me an opportunity to extend the storytelling. Yeah. I was just thinking about um, this where, I mean, Mox is this community where there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of space for all of you guys to start collaborating. It's a very good hub for collaboration. So actually, I'm yeah. collaborating with um, Lynn, uh, oh, yeah, yes. jewelry, yeah. wooden jewelry maker for our Hari Raya collection. So actually, um, me and my other Muslim friend, so we are starting this collaboration for uh, Hari Raya. Uh, to make Chongsao's more wearable for Muslims, especially for uh, Chinese converts, because um, I think they have a, a problem looking for a Chongsao that they can wear. Because Chongsao is usually quite like figure hugging, otherwise it's like short sleeve. So we're trying to make Chongsao uh, more wearable for this group of people. Mm -hmm. As in, not only targeted to them, but um, we hope that other people can also appreciate this collection. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're getting on board um, with Lin to do the jewelries and also um, Chloe. Um, his Studio me. Studio, studio me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, it's, it's, that's very exciting. I think mm. I saw some of your... Um, Lynn was making some of your buttons as well, right? Of your current... Is it Lynn? Some wood buttons. Wooden buttons. But this is really exciting. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Um, so we have um, come to almost the end of our discussion, right? I'm sure um, the audiences has picked out a tips of two from your how to run their business. Um, but before we end the session, we will pose one last question to you, which is the same question that we pose to every one of our guests, which is um, if there's one piece of advice that you can give to your younger self, what would that be? I mean, you can take a moment to think about it. Don't have to rush to answer us. But if there's just this one piece of advice that you give to your younger self, what would that be? Just do it. It's like um, picking up opportunities that come along the way. Lah. So these opportunities eventually built up to something like what I have here. Because it was through um, 
jobs and then through clients it slowly built up to to what I have now and I just hope that you know, this continues and then I will grow better as a craftsman and as a businesswoman yeah great John how about yourself I think it's going to be very opportunity focused as well where um you know, if you're going to work somewhere, what's the opportunity? What are you getting out of it? You know, work your hardest at it. Uh, you know, do a fair job. But um, what are you look? What are you doing next? What's the next opportunity? What's the next thing for you to learn? Mm-hmm. And and it, there's there's no point if you're not learning anything, and there's no point sticking around. So I think it's it's. Um, you know, you need to be looking at what what are you getting out of that opportunity? What are you learning? Um, so, you know, work hard in every job, give it your all, do your best, but always keep in mind what am I learning out of this? What am I getting out of it? And what's the next opportunity to to, to add on to you? Right, yeah. right, yeah, I agree. Yeah, always keep well. your eyes open. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah, especially for young people. Right. All right. Thank you so much for the time. Right. Um, Thank you to our audience as well for tuning in another episode of our Freelance Creative Exchange. Yeah. So if you like this episode, please click on the like button. Uh, As well as um, if you have any questions for any one of us, especially for John and for Ray Sien, please uh, comment in the comment section below. But uh, we will see you then at the next episode. So if you want to find out when it comes out, please hit that subscribe button as well. So until then, have an awesome week. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.